Hello and welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller authors in conversation about female characters who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Lane Fargo and I'm here with Kristen LaBianca. Hello. And Wendy Hurd. Hello. And today we have, well, several very special guests. Um, This episode is going to be a little Pitch Wars extravaganza. Uh, Pitch Wars is a mentoring program that is actually what brought Wendy and Kristen and I all together. It's how we met, which we'll talk a little bit more about. But we are joined by Kelly Garrett, who is the managing director of Pitch Wars. Hi, Kelly. Hi, ladies. How are you? Good. Thank you for being here. Of course. Yeah, so we were hoping you could just give us a little spiel. Tell us what Pitch Wars is all about for people who might not be familiar. Uh, sure. So Pitch Wars is, um, like you said, a mentoring program. It was started in, I think, 2012 by Brenda Drake. Um, and she got the idea while actually watching Cupcake Wars, of all things. Um, and the <laughs> I, I know it's kind of weird. So the idea behind it is taking um, writers who are a bit more established in their careers. You know, either they have book deals or they have agents or you know they're um publishing professionals and having them spend maybe up to two to four months uh mentoring more emerging uh, authors who don't have agents yet and then you spend that two to four months you know helping them revise their manuscript um and then we it ends with an an agent showcase where um agents from all over get to read a 50 word pitch in a 250 word writing sample and if they'd like to read more they can request it so it all takes place on uh, the website which is pitchwars.org and uh, we're in the final i guess the final stages of pitch wars and so our agent showcase will be february 6th through 11th and it's for um it's for adult right people who write adult people who write uh ya and people who write uh middle grade it's such an amazing program, and I mean, I know it's changed my life more than I can Aww. even comprehend. Oh my gosh, uh, me you too. know what, Lane? You were actually um, so I was a Pitch Wars mentee in 2014, and then I became a mentor in 2015, and Lane was actually the first person I requested to read. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and I remember I was talking with Marianne Marlowe, who's another mentor, and I was like, I really want to request this one, and I was like, should I do it? It's so literally, it was like the same day I first got it, and I was like, should I do it? She's like, sure, make her day, do it. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. So, um, it did so, make my day. Oh, good. <laughs> but I remember my for, that was a project uh, prior to the one that's my debut as an earlier book, and the first chapter was like really short, which I thought was so clever. I was like, I'm gonna have this really short chapter and grab them, and I remember you in your message to me you were like is this the whole chapter or <laughs> oh like what, what's happening <laughs> did you cut it I, I would say one to read more lane okay <laughs> <laughs> well it worked i guess it, it yeah. worked in that sense honestly uh, I'd, I'd rather have a short chapter like i had a person i probably shouldn't say this i had a person last year who sent me 80 an 80 page chapter ah! and i like would rather have because you get for um when you submit to pitch wars you can submit um a query letter in your first chapter and so uh some chapters are short like lanes and some i had one that was 80 pages last year so that is just too long as a chapter like regardless is like a of what you submit for a contest it's too long for any first chapter ever in any context it's okay i really wondered if the person because i think sometimes people try to be creative and i was wondering if they were trying to be creative to get more but i mean i honestly i was like i'm not i think i was like one of my last ones i had to read i was like there's no way i'm reading 80 pages so i think i read (laughs) like maybe like 10 or 20 and i tried to give them (laughs) notes on that but i was like there's just i just don't have it in me to read 80 pages yeah uh, well, so Kelly was my mentor when I was a mentee in Pitch Wars, which was many years ago in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I credit Pitch Wars and Kelly personally for Aww. all of the writing success that I've had because my Pitch Wars book went on to become The Last Place You Look, um, which is my Seamus Award winning Roxanne Weary mystery number one. So Kelly was absolutely amazing in really showing me what to do to build actual suspense. I mean, I had this book written about all kinds of crimes and creepy stuff and like no story through the middle of it and I didn't totally understand that until Kelly pointed it out and told me how to fix it and that was just really absolute invaluable advice that I carry with me as I continue to write more books in the series. Kristen was my uh, my first mentee and I always say she said she set the bar really high and I've been very (laughs) lucky that I've always had amazing mentees but um she definitely set the bar and I can just remember um when I was reading her final draft of it, I was like, this book is so special and it's going to sell and it's going to, you know, go on to greatness. So um, I'm glad I was right. I knew it. So, um, you know, but, you know, just you're just so amazing, Kristen. So Aww, I remember you. that year because that was the year you requested mine and then didn't pick me. And I was like, you know, like a little bitter. Right. And then I read, <laughs> <laughs> I read Kristen's entry in the showcase. And as soon as I read that excerpt, I was like, oh, no, she chose the right person. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, no. You were definitely top five, Lane. It was, I Aww. think, I think it was, you had maybe like a spec element maybe to it, or it was like t- taking place in like a f- the future or near future or something. And I was just like, as much as I love this, that's just, I just know my wheelhouse and my wheelhouse is not that area, you know, so I don't want to, to have, give you bad advice. So yeah, yeah, I wrote a dystopian novel when dystopian things were completely dead. So that's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I learned from all of that. I did too, well, actually. And I submitted it to Pitch Wars and it didn't make it in. Same exact <laughs> thing. Well, you didn't submit it to me, right? No. I actually okay, sub- yes. I actually entered, um, I tried to go do Pitch Wars three different times and I didn't make it into any of them. That's just Wendy, by the way. Um, and even though I didn't quote unquote make it or, you know, get matched with a mentor, get selected by a mentor, it was so incredibly helpful just to go through that process. Right. And so I think that's something too. It's like, it's just, it's a great community to get involved with. You meet a lot of really interesting people. The process is just like querying. It really trains you on querying. You learn a lot. You, then you see the successful ones, compare them to your own. It's just a wonderful program. I think, I think, I definitely think, especially that was one of Brenda's goals when she created Pitch Wars was to create a community, you know, because we do have, you know, a set amount of mentor or mentors and mentees. But, you know, I think when it comes to the whole community is probably thousands of people at this point mm-hmm. you know and I kind of view pitch wars as it's preparation for your career you know in publishing and I hope everyone goes on to have these long careers where they have amazing agents and get their book published you get another book published but you know there's certain skills that you have to learn you know you have to learn how to like you said like have a good query, have a good, strong first chapter, but also how to take feedback. You have mm-hmm. to learn how to advocate for yourself as well. You know, um, you can't be afraid to talk to your agent. You can't be afraid to talk to your your editor. You know, you can't be afraid to talk to your publicist. You know, so having to deal with a mentor, you know, as someone who I think some people have stars in their eyes when they see their mentor or talk to their mentor, you know, but being able to kind of advocate for yourself with your mentor, you know, to learn how to edit, those things will help you in your career, hopefully for the rest of your life, as hopefully people publish, you know, for the rest of their lives, so. Absolutely. Yeah. And Pitch Wars is also really amazing at um, sort of giving 
opportunities to people who maybe like didn't get an MFA in creative writing and don't automatically know where to find other writers to form a community with and also in elevating diverse voices which is really huge so it's just a a fantastic program for emerging writers overall I agree (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so this year Wendy and Kristen and I are all mentors and that's kind of what (laughs) that's sort of what brought us together um like I had met Kristen and like talked to her online a little bit but Wendy and I really connected uh during the submission period we were like DMing back and forth about because we had a lot of the same submissions because mm-hmm. our wish lists were almost freakishly similar, which I'm sure is <laughs> shocking to anyone who knows us that we like the same things. <laughs> it was funny because I, I reached out to Lane. I was like, you don't know me and I don't know you, but I think we're the same person. So sh- sure. I feel like we should know each other. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it helps emerging writers and just brings people together in ways that <laughs> you can't predict. It's you know, an incredible program. I think, um, to me, it's the, I think the community, I th- it's, like a, it's a cliche that I think people who don't make it, oh, you're just saying that to make us feel better. But I think that community is, is the key, you know, and because I was a Pitch Wars mentee in 2014 myself and developed these really strong bonds with my co, my fellow mentees that I still talk to to this day, and it's been, what, five years later, um, it, it makes me realize you have to seek out people who are, you know, um, going, to, going through the same things you are, you know, because it helps because mm-hmm. publishing is such a, a brutal business. You know, I'm not going to yes. sugarcoat it. It's a very brutal business. And from trying to get an agent querying to trying to get your book published, being on sub to, you know, bad reviews. And so it always helps to have that person to kind of kind of, you know, like who knows what you're going through and can kind of be your psychologist when you need it, be your drill sergeant when you need it, whatever you need that they can be and you, you can do the same thing for them. So, and I think that's the great thing about Pitch Wars is it it's a great community, so. It absolutely is. Um, I'm so glad to be a part of it. And I, like, it took me a couple times to get in as well, but even like those years when I wasn't chosen, I met a lot of amazing people right. who were, mentees or just other people who'd applied and yeah it's changed my life in in so many ways and we thank you and Brenda and everyone who's been involved in it um but while before we let you go Kelly I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your books which are amazing we were just talking before this that the only reason we haven't had you on this show to do a full interview yet is because your main characters are so damn (laughs) likable they just like aren't on brand (laughs) sorry um so actually, so in 2014, I submitted a book. Um, I called it IOU at the time. Um, and it's about um, a semi-famous mega broke black actress who uh, drives by a hit and run. And she's so broke that she decides she's going to uh, try to solve that hit and run for the reward money. Um, and so that was my Pitch Wars novel in 2014. I ended up selling it uh, to an imprint called Midnight Inc., uh, and it came out, it was rebranded as Hollywood Homicide, and it came out in 20, oh, good Lord, it came out 2017, right? Yeah, it came yes. out 20, it feels like yes. forever. It came out in 2017, and um, it like I, it was interesting to be a debut. I was the same year as Kristen, so we were mm-hmm. able to talk to each other, and it did, it, it got good reviews, got a couple star reviews, it won some awards, like it won the Agatha, the Lefty, and the Anthony Award, which are some big mystery awards for best first novel. Um, so that was exciting. And then the second one, because it was a series, came out in August, um, Hollywood Ending. And that one actually just was nominated for a Lefty Award for Best Humorous Novel. So, 
So I mean, I'm definitely not on brand with you guys, but <laughs> but like we funny, love your books. If you need a break, yeah, you can go for that. So yes, if you need a break from all of the bitches and scheming <laughs> that we talk about on this podcast, Kelly's books are um, very refreshing. But yeah, they're definitely um, they're beach reads, and it's funny because I was actually um, NPR did an article on their website, and it was like beach reads by people of color, you know, and mm. cause I think. I think a lot of times people assume because if you're a person, you know, a marginalized writer, person of color, you know, you're queer, that you have to always have like your books have to, you know, be angsty and have to say something about the struggle, you know, and I don't Mm -hmm. think because I always say like, okay, like straight white cis writers, they have our readers, they have they have the angsty books, but they also have the funny books and they have the good books. They have the bad books. I don't understand why marginalized writers marginalize readers we can't have the same thing like why can't we have a whole range as well yes we totally should yeah so i know you agree with me Kristen. but absolutely (laughs) (laughs) i love your book i'm from la and um and so for those who haven't read their setting is los angeles and you lived in la for a while people still think i live in la because of the book they're like people like let's go for drinks and i'm like i would but i'm in new jersey i won't make it in time so um, <laughs> <laughs> um but oh yeah, god i loved it though I, I in little moments i felt like you were like making little jokes about la and i was just like with you 100 percent laughing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a love-hate relationship with Los Angeles when I lived there. So I, it, I think, it, yes, I think it's great <laughs> to visit. So whenever I visit, I have such a good time. But like, you know, the traffic and just especially so many people who are in entertainment, it's such a, it's a weird place to be sometimes. All the time. <laughs> well, you said, it. I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, those books are amazing, though. And the main character, she's just, it's its like she's likable, but she's interesting and she does fun things. I don't know. She's just a fantastic main character. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad you guys like her. I tried to make, I tried to make it, because um, it's an amateur detective novel. It's not like Kristen's, you know, so it's kind of like. Like what if like one of us was trying to investigate a crime, like how would we do it? And that was kind of like my goal with it. Like, like she's not like some super sleuth, you know, she's going to mess up and she's going to do like the most random ways to do it. And I think that to me was the fun in writing it. And I think hopefully that's also the fun in reading it. So she's not Veronica Mars, as some like reviewer said, like, <laughs> you know, so she's like the anti Veronica Mars. <laughs> but I'll also say you didn't fall into that trap that people do with amateur sleuth novels sometimes which is that you you did make her too lucky have you ever seen that like where people luck into everything you didn't do that like it it was it's very well written I believe um I'm like I think I used to tell Kristen I believe in an active protagonist yeah (laughs) um and so I I, I, especially with a lot of like said amateur detective novels they don't they just kind of like live their life and then all of a sudden it just falls in their lap and so that's right no like she has to be active she has to be actively searching for this and I still tell um my mentees, you know, since then, I've had two amateur detective novel mentees since, um, since Kristen. And so I'm always like, look, no, there has to be an organic reason why this happened. It just can't be like, oh, she thought about this just now because just the story needs it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, right. so I think that's partly is also my screenwriting background because I used yeah. to um, work in television and I have an MFA in screenwriting. But um, yeah, I hate protagonists who aren't active. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us. And we should have you back sometime and just talk about like crime writing. It'll be like the happy episode. (laughs) Yeah, we'll need that at some point. We have a lot of darkness around here. So that would be perfect. We'd love to have you back sometime. Even if even though you write likable characters, um, I'm sure you have a lot to say about 
feminism and thrillers in general. So you think I you think I have a strong opinion on things, Kristen? I do. <laughs> I ha- I have this feeling that you just might have strong opinions, Kelly. Oh my god! Um, this is uh, but I so when I won the Agatha Award, I basically someone said I basically blasted the entire room <laughs> and so I was like because I was talking about basically diversity and how it, it should not be a trend um and so but I didn't feel like I was blasting the entire room I felt like I was like I have this stage now that I people are going to listen and I should say you know an important thing which is that diversity and crime fiction should not be a trend it should be I think status quo is what I said at another place so um so yeah I don't I feel like I am very opinionated but hopefully I do it in a a a nice way. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. And you're so right that it should not be a trend. That is like, yeah. if you, if anyone takes away one piece of information from this episode, take away that. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much, Kelly. Of course, you guys. Thank you for featuring Pitch Wars in this episode. Yes, we're excited for the the world at large to. Learn I'm about. so excited for all three of your men, your mentees. I really am. So. Yeah. I know, I know um, two of them were better than I know Elaine's mentee, but um, I'm just super excited for them. So. My mentee is such a rock star. I'm so excited sure. for everyone to see her entry. And I mean, she's just delightful. <laughs> I, I, when we, during the sub period, Lane was just like talking about like how she already was in love with her. And I was kind of jealous. I was like, oh my God, she's already found her one, you know? So. <laughs> So I am here with my Pitch Wars mentee, Hallie Sutton. Hi, Hallie. Hi, Lane. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, Hallie, as you know, one of the things that drew me to your book immediately was the unlikable female characters in it. Um, <laughs> There's many. There's quite a few. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about them. But it really was um, from the very first chapter, the voice of your main character. I was like, I love this bitch, and I want to spend a <laughs> lot of time with her. And that was why I picked you. And I'm so glad I did. I'm so um, glad you did too. Thank you. So let's just start off by if you could describe your book, The Lady Upstairs, in one sentence or, or you know, two, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so one sentence, I would say, femme fatale run blackmail schemes turn deadly. Ooh, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> we should use that in your pitch, maybe. i strongly considering it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Okay. Um, so tell me about the unlikable women in your book. I know there are indeed several, which is why I love it so much. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I would actually say, I mean, I know we're here for unlikable female podcasts, but pretty much everybody in my book is unlikable to some degree. Um, That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) But I would say, um, so my main character, Joe, is uh, pretty like textbook unlikable. She's bitchy, manipulative, snarky, um, doesn't really care about being likable, which I think is a big thing for unlikable female characters, what makes them unlikable. hard drinking and, you know, not apologetic about what she wants. And I have never had so much fun writing anybody. Um, (laughs) I've never liked a character so much. (laughs) Yeah, I just treasure her. Like, I want to spend all my time with her. (laughs) She's such a bitch. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Then I've done my job. Um, (laughs) Joe, my main character, is definitely um, kind of a throwback to some of the noir private investigators like Philip Marlowe, um, who is you know, not necessarily a very likable character, although no one ever talks about his likability or not. And uh, Joe is unlikable, but I like her very much. And um, there's other unlikable women in my book, in particular, uh, Ellen, who is the um, the woman that Joe is working with to kind of seduce and take down this 
uh, Harvey Weinstein-esque producer who's kind of a notorious casting couch king. And Ellen is more unlikable. She's certainly unlikable to Joe. Uh, she's kind of bubbly, airheaded, not that bright. And um, one thing that I thought was really interesting about likability and female characters was that uh, I wrote this book partially during grad school. And when I was workshopping the book, people had a very divided reaction to Ellen. Um, the men did not find her that unlikable and the women were like, she's the worst, I want Joe to slap her. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's because, like, I don't know, men, they like women like that. I um, think that's like part to sleep of it. With them at least. Totally. I think there was, I, I remember getting notes about it, and one guy in my class was like, yeah, she's not great, but, you know, she's not the girl you marry. She's the girl you sleep with. And I was uh. like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and honest. Exactly. It, it was honest. And, um, yeah, it just made me think about, you know, in terms of likability for female characters, I do think that there's actually a divide um, between what's likable for women and what's likable for men. And um, I think Ellen, Ellen and Joe fall on opposite sides of that divide. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've talked about this on the podcast before that I find that I personally don't like the characters who are more traditionally feminine or bubbly, perky, whatever, mm -hmm. um, that that's the kind of character that I read and I'm like, oh, just slap her. I hate her. Right. Uh, which is internalized misogyny, as we know. <laughs> but yeah, it's Same a visceral reaction. <laughs> yes. Totally. Definitely. Um, so I would say those are kind of my two most polar, unlikable female characters, both of whom were super fun to write. And then um, the other really strong female character in my book is Lou, who is Joe's co-worker and Joe's in love with her, but kind of doesn't want to admit it. And I would say for the majority of the book, you think Lou is maybe more likable, but in some ways she's the most unlikable character. <laughs> I, yeah, I love Lou as well. I mean, she's like super sexy and just really fascinating. Um, you never quite know where you stand with her, which is what makes it so fun. Thank um, you. Awesome. So why did you enter Pitch Wars? Yeah, I knew that my manuscript needed something. Um, I had worked and reworked and rewritten it and scrapped it a bunch of times. And I... Um, I felt so strongly connected to Joe as a character and also just the story, but I couldn't quite make it work as a book. Um, and I had tried a little bit of submitting to agents and um, it, it just was kind of clear that the book still needed work. And uh, so that's the first part. So it was on my mind that I knew that I needed something with the book and I wasn't sure how to get there. But then the second thing, and this is a little bit, um, Lane Fargo stocky, which is that I submit or I subscribe to, um, Publishers Lunch. And I remember seeing a logline come through for Temper that called it a workplace noir set in Chicago's indie theater scene. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> I want to go to there. I can't wait to read that book. So when I saw that you were on Pitch Wars, it sealed it for me. I was like, I have to submit. I have to submit it to her. I was, and I feel so lucky and grateful that you picked me. But like, it was kind of a combination of um, seeing somebody that I was really interested in their work and the possibility of working with you and also knowing that my book uh, wasn't quite there, but I didn't know how to get it there. Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't <laughs> know that you saw the announcement for Temper. Yes. My editor actually came up with that, uh, the workplace noir thing. Like In our first call together, we were talking about... Um, She's like, oh, yeah, there's like domestic noir, but yours isn't domestic. It's like workplace noir. And I yes. was like, I love you. Please buy my book. <laughs> no, that's fabulous. It's a great, great, uh, great line. Great description for it. Yeah. And for me, uh, your book was 
the first one where I read your your query and sample pages and you were the first one that I marked as like I must request this and then oh. I fell in love with it so fast um Wendy can tell you because we were DMing the entire like, submission <laughs> period that I was I was so intense about <laughs> your book I was like <laughs> standing on top of it velociraptor screeching and anyone who got near it I was like this one's mine go away um so yeah it was the Connect, love connection for both of us, I think. <laughs> Meant to be. Thank you. That makes me feel great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what has been uh, the best slash worst thing about the Pitch Wars process? Because I know like it's there's good stuff, but then it is very stressful. I went through it myself. So I yes. Know. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so many best things. I think I've expanded my community and my tribe of, you know, ladies who don't care about being likable. Um, and I think that's invaluable. My writing community. Um also, you recommended before we even started really talking about um, revisions that I read Save the Cat and Save the Cat writes a novel and I will never write another book without it. So that was like an invaluable piece. I mean, it was kind of like after that, I was like, oh, I'm glad I spent all that money on grad school. I could have read this book. <laughs> Um, that's how I feel about it because I did not go to grad school for writing and I'm like I don't need it I got the yeah, book it's exactly. amazing everyone should read it yeah so it just I think that makes me a better writer um for all of my books going forward so I think that's fabulous and um honestly working with you has been the best thing you have such great oh. notes and so fabulous and coming out of this with a better stronger book I mean it's everything I could have hoped for I I feel incredibly lucky I feel so lucky to have you as my mentee. Oh, thank uh, you. This has just been so much fun for me too. Like every time I go back to read your work again and give you notes, it's just, it's it's like what I save as a reward at the end of my day. I'm like, oh, yes, I get to read Hallie's book. <laughs> that warms my heart. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then the worst thing, it is, it's hard to think of a worst thing, honestly, that may be because I feel like we're over the hump of pitch wars. Um, but I, it was hard for me to get back in a place of generating new material and not hating it. I had been kind of revising parts that I had worked on for so long that I felt like they had gotten to a certain point of being good and then having to write new material and just being like, oh, I'm trash at this. I'm the worst. This is awful. <laughs> um, was a hard space to be back in. But I think it was also a good reminder because, you know, I want to write more books after this. So I'm going to have to be dealing with those same fears and insecurities and anxieties going forward. It was just a uh, that wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that never goes away. And especially if you have something polished and you're having to put in new material in a later draft, it feels like you're drawing stick figures all over this like beautiful painting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> kind of exactly. And looking back at it and being like, how was I that writer, you know, forgetting that I'd been tinkering with that for a year and a half. And that's why it was good. Like, <laughs> it was a yeah. different experience. <laughs> totally. Um, all right. So who is your favorite unlikable woman in fiction, pop culture, what have you? Great. Uh, yeah, I have I had a hard time narrowing it down for this question. So I picked three and I'll be quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, in history, I would say my favorite unlikable woman is probably Martha Gellhorn, who was uh, Hemingway's third wife and was the only one of his wives to leave him. And I just thought she lived a very fascinating life and didn't really care, um, you know, if she was considered likable or not, particularly uh, in the wake of being attached to Hemingway. Um, on TV, my favorite unlikable woman is Rebecca Bunch on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That is... Yes, I love her. It's so good. <laughs> it's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> and I just, I, yeah, she's fabulous. Um, and then 
In terms of books, I picked Mary Cat Blackwood from We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. Um, oh, yeah, and, that's a great one. Yeah, just snarky, unhinged, dangerous, uh, everything, everything unlikable. Um, but also for the record, I am wildly pro Amy Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, another recruit for Team Amy. I Team love Amy, it. yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Um, and then my last question for you is, do you have any reading goals for 2019 that you want to share? Particular books or general goals? Sure. Um, it is always my goal to kind of read as diversely and widely as possible, both in terms of authorship and also genre. Um, and so this year I want to read more poetry and more books in translation that aren't from Western countries. Um, but also in terms of specific books, ones that I've had by my nightstand that I haven't read that I'm like, I am getting to these this year are Vera Casper's Laura, um, the old noir and Suzanne Lummis's In Danger, which is a collection of noir poetry. So that's not super diverse in terms of genre, but that's where I am. And I am also very excited about this book coming out this summer called Temper by Lane Fargo. <laughs> and I have already had the opportunity to read it and it's fabulous and I can't wait to reread it and have everybody go nuts about it. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on the podcast and best of luck in the agent round. Thank you so much for having me and I love the podcast. And hi, Wendy. Hi, Kristen. <laughs> I am super excited to get to introduce my Pitch Wars mentee to our wonderful audience. I have Nigar Alam with me. Uh, hi, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining me. Now, you are in Minnesota, is that right? That is right. I'm in Minneapolis, a suburb of Minneapolis. Yep. We like to bitch about the weather a lot on this <laughs> podcast, so what did, what did you got? It's actually really nice. It's hovering just around freezing, and it's sunny, so okay. I, can't, I can't complain. Um, That's fair to... enough. I don't want to jinx it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually shockingly nice here, too. But like when we have really nice days in like the middle of winter, I get really suspicious. I know what's going to come now. Right. It, it makes it hard to enjoy it because it's like this is nice, but you just know that there's like snow on the way and it's going to be terrible. So, OK, so now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about your book. Uh, you will probably come to find that as an author, people are asking you all the time, tell me about your book. And it honestly never gets that much easier. So uh, here's just good practice. Tell us about it. It's super hard to talk about it. And I don't know why, but for some reason it, it is. So this is my attempt at it. Okay. Um, my book is called The Heat of the Midday Sun. And it's set in the 1990s in Karachi, Pakistan. It's narrated by two people, 16-year-old Layla and her father's mistress. So the story starts when Layla's father is murdered in the Karachi desert, and he leaves behind this mystery about Layla's past. And she's naive and protected and just afraid of what that past might be, especially when all sorts of secrets start dropping around her about children going missing and child trafficking. So she would rather just stay safe and protected in her existing life. But when this self-absorption and indifference of hers causes harm to people around her, she has to act. And she has to look beyond her privilege and help the people around her before more people get hurt. And in doing this, Layla uncovers her own identity. So that is basically Layla's arc in the story. 
Yes, that is a very good description of it, and I know that I'm the only one who's gotten to read it so far, yes. but it's amazing. Um, <laughs> Thank and you. I, I'm super excited about the job that you've done on the revisions. It's all really, really good. Well, you are just an amazing mentor. I mean, I was just telling a friend of mine that what I've gotten out of Pitch Wars is to date is so much more than I could have imagined that I'm just so grateful to the organizers and to you, Kristen, for all the time that you put in. Oh, you're so sweet. I promise I didn't pay her to say that either. Um, <laughs> but so this podcast is called Unlikable Female Characters. Um, so let's talk about the two women in your book. Um, I I would say that they both have gotten, they, they both have some of this unlikable, difficult women going on, and I love it. So let's hear a little bit about that. Well, I think uh, the second narrator, the father's mistress, is is the most unlikable mm -hmm. and she but I do love her too um, yes. she's she's unlikable in a fantastic way because um, it's very attractive I think uh, she's calculating and she's manipulative um, and she's just done with the world and <laughs> she <laughs> she's, yeah she's just done with everyone who's wasting her time and uh, she's not at all nurturing <laughs> um, no. she's she's selfish which is very unladylike um, mm -hmm. But she's driven and she's a survivor and she's not apologetic. That's really true. And it's so it's so hard to talk about unlikable women that we love because we're always like they're unlikable, but we like them. So it's it's just sort of like unlikable sort of become a, a catch all term for women who aren't behaving in a ladylike way. Um, but at the same time, readers like us, we see these characters and like, we just love them. We love it when women aren't acting in the way that they're expected to act. That's where all of the good storytelling stuff comes from. I think so. I think it's unexpected and mm -hmm. it, it's just, um, very attractive. Yeah. Yes. And Layla, who is 16 at the start of the novel, she is not cold and calculating the way her father's mistress is, but she definitely goes on a journey of learning about herself and learning about the way the world works and her place in it as the story goes on. So she sort of goes from being sheltered and naive uh, to being more mindful of the type of world that she's living in. And so that arc changes her likability in a way. Uh, but I think that she's really a character that you root for all along. So the juxtaposition between Layla and Gazala is very pleasant, I think. Oh, thank you. Um, that was the goal, just to see it the, the same situation with two different sets of eyes and um, how each woman uh, deals. Mm -hmm. Yes. The best stories come from a place of like that that contrast, I think. When you don't have contrast, you don't have a story. And so I think that's what's really wonderful about this book. Well, thank you. Uh, you've, you've made it what it is. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So let's talk about why you decided to enter Pitch Wars this year. Was it your first time entering? It was my first time. Actually, I just learned about it a few months before the submission window opened. And um, I, I, I felt that I, it was just perfect timing because I needed help in bringing it to another level, the manuscript to another level. I had done 
a lot of beta readers had helped me. Um, I have critique partners. I took classes, critique classes and craft mm -hmm. classes, workshopped the manuscript. So I felt that I had reached a, a place where I could do no more uh, without getting the distance. And the only way I could get the distance was if I get someone else other than me. Right. Um, so that's why I entered Pitch Wars. I really needed the guidance, um, the experienced guidance. Mm -hmm. and. Um, that's and, and it's just more than I could have imagined. Just tremendous help. It's really interesting when you get to that place where you're like, okay, I've done everything I can do with this, and like I know it's not perfect, but I also don't know what's not perfect because you just reach a point where you can't even really see it anymore. You can't see your own work clearly. It can be really hard, and you know, beta readers are great, but they can only take you so far um and you know when i before i entered pitch wars for the first time uh in 2015 i guess it was um i had had some beta readers and people were like i love it and it's perfect and i'm like well okay i know it's not perfect so you know i entered it and my mentor kelly garrett um who is our amazing pitch wars leader now but who is a lowly mentor at the time she was a first year mentor then uh her her feedback on my story was i love it but we have to change the entire plot um wow are you serious <laughs> yeah so the the beginning and the end of the story remain basically the same but the entire middle like how my main character arrives at her conclusions and even really the way it's set up uh all of that changed i basically rewrote the entire middle of it during pitch wars and oh my goodness she was so right about every single thing and like you get to just a point with your own work where like you're trying to edit what's there you can't really see like where there are holes or or what should be there like it's you know sort of like absolutely ironing a garment rather than sewing something from scratch you just like lose the the ability to see what it could be Yes, absolutely. That's, uh, you know, I totally understand that because when you send me um, notes, uh, like your edit letter, which did take me a week to, <laughs> <laughs> to absorb, I'd kind of peek at it and then I'd go yeah. away and, you know, <laughs> so, but, but after you say things, I'm like, oh, well, of course, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what it was supposed to be. That's what I need to do. But I don't, I can't get to that conclusion myself. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just such a great opportunity to work with someone who's sort of gone through it before. Uh, it's just, it's really awesome. So let's talk about the best and the worst parts of Pitch Wars. And you can say, like, my long-ass edit letter was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just, like, anything from, like, you know, waiting to hear about who the mentees would be or, you know, uh, any kind of things that were unexpectedly difficult. Let's hear it. Well, I think the best I have mentioned, it's this one-on-one -on -one guidance that we get on our manuscript, which is, uh, which you just can't get any other way. Um, and it's, it's just invaluable, your time for us. And the worst is hard for me to, to think of because there isn't any, I didn't expect to be selected. So <laughs> the, the waiting period really wasn't um, stressful for me. I was just like, well, I'm just going to do this and nice. then there'll be silence and then I'll get on with my life. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a, an amazing surprise. But I think if the worst would be 
We have about 100 mentees and we have a, a Facebook group in which we're very close. We share a lot of our um, the stages that we're at and our achievements, um, our failures as well. And I think the hardest part, the worst part, is the comparison. Yes. We suffer a lot for that. A lot of people, you know, post things like that, that, you know, I feel like I'm a loser, I'm behind. And it's so hard not to compare because <laughs> we're like this, we're in a class together, you know? Right, right. And some people are ahead, they're just finished, they're finished, they're done with everything. Mm -hmm. And some people are just submitting their first uh, revisions. So I think that is a very difficult thing. And I'm sure in, in the writing and industry, in the publishing industry, and in the career as well, uh, if, if we're lucky to have one, that will continue that comparison. It's so true. Uh, it really never goes away. Uh, I know that like, there's a tendency to think like, you know, oh, once someone has a book deal, all of this like neurotic uh, obsess obsession goes away or all of this insecurity goes away. It like totally does not go anywhere. Um, it's just like, it. you stay the same person even as you sort of experience these wonderful like professional successes you still are that person who is like oh i but i didn't get that or i didn't do that yet or no one asked me to do that or i'm really behind um so yeah basically pitchor is just like an it's like a little like mini version of publishing there's just so much that, that there are like these parallels like it you know it'll be really difficult when you get to the agent round and there's stuff happening and it's so exciting and like the weight just seems unbearable but it's like that's just really good practice for being on submission or having you know a bunch of queries out to agents um you kind of just have to wait and like the industry definitely does not care that you want to know right now you know like right it <laughs> does not matter yes <laughs> and like you know you really start to realize like oh i'm not even special in my wanting to know right now like, everybody wants to know right now but it's just not how it works um so it's definitely good practice um yeah so uh, we still have almost a month i guess right until the the big conclusion. that's right yes yeah. um but like hopefully you'll see it the same way the ultimate goal of pitch wars is to come out of it with a stronger manuscript the agent round and all that is just it's just like icing on the cake it's not the the be all and end all um the main thing is that like you come out of it and you're like wow i actually feel a lot more confident about my work Absolutely. Yes, I, I think that is that that's the number one takeaway. And then the number two is the community. It's um, and then, you know, it just grows from from your pitch wars class. It just expands even beyond just being part of this. So that. Yeah, it really is amazing to have that community and to have people who are like at the exact same spot as you are through this journey, you know, more or less because people who aren't writers and who haven't written a manuscript and haven't done the research to know what is involved like they don't understand this process at all like you say I wrote a book and they're like cool when's it coming out like they don't understand <laughs> that's the second question <laughs> yes actually that is the first question and there's so much to do it's yeah it's you can't even ex begin to explain no so it's really good to like to know people who get it and that you don't even have to bother explaining to because they understand so it's really valuable I think yes it is absolutely so let's talk a little bit about uh, some of your favorite unlikable women in fiction or pop culture, movies, books, whatever. 
Wow. Well, I think everyone's uh, favorite, or at least one of them, would be Amy from Gone Girl. Yes. So I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to leave her for the world. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I, I was thinking that um, one of my recent favorites is Elizabeth Jennings from uh, it's a TV show. It's on Prime, yes. I think, the from Americans. the Americans. Yes. Yes. Yes, she was one of my uh, top picks when we did our first little episode talking about our favorites. That's so good, right? right? Like she's she just is so brutal. Absolutely, and she she kept on surprising me with it. That was the thing. It wasn't like okay, she's, she's unlikable, but each time she was just worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. yes. you know, I, I think maybe now she'll go and like hug her children or something, but nope. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't right. happen. <laughs> right, like she just like does not have those like traditionally feminine mothering That's instincts right. at all. She just re rejects them. Right, absolutely. Um, um, I think uh, I read a book recently called The Luckiest Girl Alive. Mm -hmm. And yes. the the girl in, in the character, the main character, I don't know how to pronounce it. I always, when I was reading it, I pronounced her name Ani. Finelli because yes. she acted like an Ani, um, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it's Annie. I um, think it's Ani. I always thought it okay. was Ani too, but... Oh, okay, but, good. I mean, maybe we're both wrong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, you know, she's just so shallow and judgy, um, and she's just trying to show the people who bullied her, they're trying to show them up by becoming them, you know. Um, so she was, um, but her arc was was really fantastic. I enjoyed that. Nice. Yes. Um, I am so excited that you mentioned The Americans because, like, I just adore that show so much. It was an excellent show. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I keep wanting to, like, rewatch it, having experienced the suspense of it already, like, to rewatch it to see what I missed because it's so suspenseful, especially in, like, the first season you're just like oh so it was like a slow burn you know it wasn't compared to some shows that are just action action you know especially yeah. spy shows you know but this was just really kept you on edge throughout yeah. yeah so good all right one more question for you do you have any reading goals for this year well my reading goals are always based on recommendations that's mm. how i that's how i choose what to read so my community has increased so much mm -hmm. this year that i think i'm going to be focusing a lot on um pitch for mentors books nice yes and i've already started on that <laughs> um i also take you know podcast recommendations and libraries bookstores that's just how i choose what to read um and i though my my favorite genre is the suspense thriller mystery genre i do read some memoirs and you know literary fiction and 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 I love craft books too. Mm. I, I really enjoy them and I'm always looking for recommendations about them. So Very cool. Well, on that yeah. note, I will tell you, have you read um, Story Trump's Structure by Stephen James? I haven't. I'm going to write that down. It's so yeah. good. Yes, if you like craft books, you're going to be all over it. Okay. It's really good. Um, and then also we have kind of a, a running recommendation on this podcast, which is Social Creature by Tara Isabella Burton. Have you read that? I haven't. Oh, man. Get that one first because okay. it's so good. It's so good. 
well, thank you for these. I mean, yes. this, is the, this is the only way I decide what to read because I just trust people, you know? Yeah. I think uh, that's word of mouth is the best. It definitely is. Yes. Yes. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Well, Wanda, I would love to welcome you to our program. Thank you for coming on the Unlikable Female Characters podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> Well, I have had the pleasure of talking to you many times, Wanda, and it's been such a pleasure working with you on um, on Pitch Wars. I I really feel like we were meant to work together. It's just been such a pleasure. I love your book so much. Um, and I just wondered, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you ended up signing up for Pitch Wars? Sure. Um, so I am a practicing attorney. I work inside of a... Um, a Fortune 500 company and the legal department. And um, I always had this idea kind of noodling, actually several ideas noodling around in my head. And um, I finally decided to get serious about my writing. And I wrote this book, The Elephant Fighter. Um, I always felt like the story was important. Um, but I didn't know whether I was conveying it, um, the right way. And, um, I learned about pitch wars, um, really kind of through happenstance, just researching. Um, and when I learned what it could do for my book, I think the two kind of things melded together. Like I could find mentorship to help me. Um, make sure that the ideas that I was trying to convey through my book uh, would get honed and polished um, by a published author, and that idea really appealed to me. Um, in all candor, I went back and forth about whether to enter because, like most writers, you know, I wake up one day and my story is glorious and delightful and wonderful, and then I'll wake up the next day and it's all uh, large pile of crap um and so I went that never goes away by the way oh no don't tell me that <laughs> no <laughs> but um like I said the idea of um spending some time with a published author that would kind of help me figure out you know all the you know foibles and faults in my book and correct them and get it to a polished state where I could find an agent just really appealed to me so here we sit so you have a book um, that you're working on this book is called the elephant fighter and I when I was looking through my pile of submissions you know the thing that struck me about this was I was like wait, are you kidding me? Is this like a, a how to get away with murder book? Like, is this like a thriller in that vein? Oh my God, I have to read more of this. So why don't you tell us a little bit about The Elephant Fighter, the book that you are working on? Sure. Um, I'll start off with the title because um, the few people who know about it have asked me, wow, that's an interesting title. Where'd it come from? And it comes from an African proverb that says, when elephants fight, the grass suffers, uh, which kind of translates into when the big boys decide to fight, it's usually the little people um, who suffer as a result 
of all of their um, inviting. Um, the book is about a woman who um, is <laughs> complicated um, in so many ways, but um, underneath it all, she has this kind of quest to do the right thing. She doesn't always make the right decisions, I guess I should put it. And when she um, uncovers um, a murder in the company that she works for, she kind of sets off to find out kind of what has happened. Um, and she discovers that there's a lot more to um, what is going on inside the company beyond just this um, murder. Um, and the idea, um, I guess it came about because I love to read, you know, thrillers, but I never see an African-American protagonist who brings down the bad guys. Um, and I mean, by that, I mean, there are lots that are police officers or detectives, but I don't usually see a lot who are just kind of ordinary people doing their jobs and then kind of stumble into what they stumble into. I see it all the time with white male characters um, and some of my favorite authors, um, but I didn't see um, that kind of protagonist um, on the bookshelves when I go to look for it. So I thought I'd write about one. One thing that um, strikes me about your main character in this book that I really appreciated right from the beginning was that you have this main character, Elise, who's, you know, she's searching for, it's, you know, it's innocent, essentially an amateur sleuth kind of a, a plot mm -hmm. arc, right? You know, she's, trying to figure out, you know, what happened with this murder. But, you know, she has a lot of, you know, complications in her past. She has maybe um, not the most ideal, you know, relationship history at the same time. She doesn't have that thing that I feel like people do to quote unquote unlikable female characters a lot where they make them. It's like, okay, so you're going to be a badass, like, assassin, right? And, like, she has no soul. <laughs> like, she's just devouring men, which in some ways is, like, just as annoying as the opposite, you know, mm -hmm. because it's almost like it's not letting women have this nuance, this, like, complication of character where you can have a hard time telling the truth, but you can also be really loving. You can have this complicated relationship past with married men, but that could be for a good reason, you know, like... And I feel like you really did a, a good job of giving that to her. Thanks. Um, that was kind of my intention. I um, It really pleases me that you say that um, because that was the whole idea. It's like I read books about, like you say, badass, you know, female characters. And, you know, they're slinging a gun and, you know, they're kicking guys in the crotch. And, you know, they're wearing black leather pants. And then... No one can wear those. No one wears that. That's not a thing, you know. Right. They don't think a special woman to wear those. Well, you you're even... absolutely right. Do like kickboxing in, in exactly, black exactly, exactly, and <laughs> none of that is Elise Littlejohn, who is the the protagonist in the book. That is just not who she is. And um, to your point, you know, she she is a badass in her own way. You know, she's like 
she's had a lot of really, you know, kind of wildly traumatic stuff happen to her. And she kind of overcame all that. And she becomes this really successful lawyer. And um, she's really smart. So in her own way, she's a badass. Now, you know, like I said, she makes some bad decisions. Um, She's, you know, she tends to trust some of the wrong people, but who hasn't in life? And so we're striving to make her kind of like a real person in in that regard. Like I said, she's not a detective. She's not a police officer. She doesn't carry a gun. But she has this way that she's determined to bring these guys down. And she uses the one, you know, resource she does have, which is, you know, her brains and her intelligence and, you know, her life experience. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking, I feel like I've been thinking about this a lot lately because of politics, but, you know, I think that with men, we accept this idea that if a man is really successful in his career, like he's putting in 80 hours a week, 70 hours a week into this big career, like doctor, lawyer, politician, you know, we understand that it's hard to maintain healthy family relationships like that. Like they're not always going to be the best husbands. They're not always going to be the best dads. They're going to be absent at home a lot. Like we kind of accept that with um, our male characters or our male figures. But I find it, I always find it frustrating that with women, you know, it's like, yeah, she's successful, but is she a good wife? You know, yeah, she's successful, but is she a good mother? And I feel like Elise might be a character that is, um, allowed to be very successful at work and then kind of also, you know, have that thing that successful people have sometimes where they don't have the best personal lives. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, She has, for example, she has a brother um, that, you know, she doesn't have a very good relationship with, despite the fact that she loves them. They just have a contentious relationship Um, she doesn't have much of a personal life because to your point, to be successful, she had to let some things fall by the wayside. And so, you know, going out for drinks with the girls on Friday, you know, maybe there was a time that she could do that, but then she got to a point where, you know, I got all this other crap going on in my life that, you know, I can't get together with the girls on Friday. And so to your point, it's like, yeah, men are allowed to do this. And I even think sometimes they're allowed, you know, kind of that they're forgiven for it. You know, it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's okay. Because, um, but women aren't. And um, I make this joke with some of my girlfriends that, you know, gosh, I got so much going on personally, you know, I've got a young son and I work a full-time job and, you know, I'm trying to be a good sister and a good friend and all this. I'm like, geez, I need a wife. You know, I, I got to get myself one of those things one day. <laughs> so Wanda, this is a very important question that we need to ask you. And that question is, do you have an unlikable female protagonist or character that you would like to tell me about what's your favorite you know when you first went after we talked and you select my manuscript and you're like yeah have you ever watched this show how to get away with murder I was like, 
dude, have I ever? <laughs> I know. Like, you know, I am just like enamored with um, Annalise um, yeah. because, again, she is this very outwardly, you know, structured, got it together, um, successful woman. And inside and, you know, the, the personal life she leads is just a wreck. Mm-hmm. And I like that dichotomy because, you know, while each of us may not have these extremes that we find, like, you know, on TV. I think we all have that kind of, nobody is like all one thing, you know, we all have those weird kind of thoughts that you think, Ooh, if my friends ever knew, I think this or something like that. And I think each one of us has that. So I love her character because the way, um, Shonda Rhimes, who, you know, I absolutely adore. She's amazing. She really is. The The way she has put that character together, you know, you're like, I, I, I love her. I hate her because this woman is everything that you think, wow, that's so bad. And then other times you think, wow, that's so good. I feel so you know, bad for her. So I, I think she has to be um, one of my favorites too. So I think when you first said that, you know, I nearly fell out of my chair because I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, because I can see exactly what you're, where you're trying to do with it. And that's a nice feeling to feel like, okay, it's working. Yeah, exactly. Without like, you know, kind of writing a character, you know, from verse. I think my character differs from that one in some regard, but again, they're both kind of, you know, complicated women. And like I said, you know, my character doesn't carry a gun and she doesn't know, you know, karate or anything, you know, she doesn't have any ninja moves, but she's smart. And so hopefully she relies on that to get her through. That's what I like about female characters too i mean it's great when women carry guns too lord knows but of course it's great when they tap into some other resources too whether it is using kind of their intellect or humor or whatever you know skill or asset that they have i like it when women use what they have to get what they want well in conclusion this is what i want to tell you i want you promise me that no matter what happens with this manuscript, I want you to keep writing complicated women because you do it so well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A thousand thank yous to you, Wendy. Well, thank you, Wanda. Thank you for coming on. And, um, and everyone keep your eyes open for this woman because she's doing some, some really innovative things in this genre. And uh, I can't, I could be more excited to see, to see what's next for you. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening.